in December, I preached a sermon after we had been through that year of pandemic, the, the crazy year that we all went through, because I posted in July. We were actually shut down and not having services when I posted this, and I was walking around my house, and God said to me, pick up your promises. And I'm like, what? And he goes, pick up your promises. Because there's a tendency in the midst of discouragement and when things get crazy all around you and it's not like you thought it was going to be, you put them down. And God said to me, pick them up. And so I posted on July 26th, one year and one day tomorrow. And I said, the Lord quickened this to me a few days ago. Pick up your promises. These words were not just for me. They were for many of you who aren't sure what to do with words that God has spoken in the past, now that things seem so different all around you. Things that are temporal are subject to change. But when God speaks an eternal word, it will not fall to the ground, and it will accomplish what it was sent forth to do. So don't faint. Don't get weary. Keep holding fast to what he has said. Pick up your promises. He's not changed his mind. So let him renew your strength. Let him breathe new life on those precious words. As you step back into a place of faith and expectancy, don't let go, don't shrink back, and you will possess the land he has promised you. And yesterday, for a time, I practically thought he just wanted me to preach it all over again. And if he said that, I would do it. There are sermons I've preached twice, six weeks apart, because God said do it. See, it's a good idea to just do what God says when you don't even understand why. If he says it and it's loud and clear and you know that he said it, just do it. See, Mary believed a wild promise, and our Savior was born. See, there are things that you may not understand, but you just must do. So I was even considering preaching it again, and God said, no, just do the sequel to it. And so today is don't drop your dreams. Pick up your promises and don't drop your dreams. Cammie and I sang on the phone together yesterday. They wouldn't let us be on the worship team, so we just sang together on the phone. Because these words just kept coming to me. Dreams really do come true. Prophecies are fulfilled. The prayers of the righteous get answered. Dreams really do come true. Prophecies are fulfilled. The prayers of the righteous get answered. And I'm like, is that a song? And I thought, Cammie and I have said it to each other a lot over the years. And I called her, go, Cammie, what song is that? She goes, no, remember, it was 1997, 1998. She goes, we were at West Columbia, Texas, and Dale Gentry was preaching, and the lady on the keyboard just kept singing it during ministry time. Dreams really do come true. Prophecies are fulfilled. The prayers of the righteous get answered. She goes, you remember the tune? And we started singing it together. And no matter what you think about our tune or our tone or our pitch, we were anointed. And so... <laughs> And I believe these statements with all my heart. Yet, yet, I also know that the word of God will always be tested. I know that adversity can come to hinder the will of God. And that includes hindrances set against his dreams for you. Obstacles to prophecies you've received. Etrout's coming next week. He calls you out. He says a thing. Is it going to just automatically happen? No. Not necessarily. A few things do. No matter what, it's going to happen. But many things, John has said, it's like an invitation. And God says, here's a picture. 
that I'm painting, why don't you just walk into it? Walk toward it. Come my way. Let's do a little of this and do a little of that, and this is what the picture is going to look like. But if you don't do a little of this and a little of that, and if you decide not to walk that way and you walk in the other direction, that picture may not come to pass. And then you go, God was a liar. No, 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 you didn't cooperate. And so sometimes there's obstacles to prophecies you receive. Sometimes there's delays to prayers you've prayed. The enemy of our souls engages in full-time strategic opposition to the pursuits of God's kingdom. So that's why in his word we read stuff like, fight the good fight. Do you know, Izzy, that you had a sermon in 2006 and it was called, How to Start a Fight? That was the name of it. How to Start a Fight. See, and sometimes you got to start a fight with the devil and let him know you're in charge and you're not backing down because God said it. There's, there's words in the Bible that say finish the race. See, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Endure hardness like a good soldier. Not all the time. There's only so much we can take for so long. But sometimes we put on our combat boots. And then sometimes we become his little lamb and just let him nurture us and pour in the oil and the wine. There's a, a scripture that says, having done all, stand. Don't run away. Having done all, stand. Stand your ground. We just finished writing a book. I was the ghostwriter. It's Easy's book. He just read it at the end and cried. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I just basically typed the stories he's told over the years. Over the years. And we're trying to decide on a title. And we did, Megan was helping me with it. We decided never give up. Never give up. Now, I didn't know it till last night. And I was looking. I had this little book of quotes. Winston Churchill said, never, never, never give up. So if you'd have just done two more nevers, honey, we'd have, <laughs> we'd have been in books like Winston Churchill. But his book's about to be published. And, but yet the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have been given weapons. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. Our weapon can be a melody. Our weapon can be the hallelujah we sang today. Our weapon can be, our weapon can be just our simple prayer. Our weapon can be our bowing before the Lord. There are weapons that come out of our mouth, prayer, praise, our testimony, weapons. They're not carnal, but they're mighty. But I also need to mention, we've been given not only weapons, but we've been given free will. And since he made us with a free will, he cannot make our choices for us. He tells us everything we need to know how to choose well. He gives us instructions on what to do to eliminate things that would sabotage us. But ultimately, the choice is ours. Every succession of godly choices gets us closer to our destination. Every succession of demonic and ungodly agreements. See, we don't often make choices to agree with enemy. We just, we just start thinking a thing, and it, it start, we think it's our thought, and we get closer to that thought, and we start aligning ourselves with that thought, and that's getting us further away many times from what God has for us because it's a demonic and ungodly agreement, and it becomes like opposition to our mission, so opposition is not always from the outside. There can be opposition to our mission inside us, and when God told Joshua over and over and over, you know, Sometimes people go, why do you say a thing so many times? Sometimes it just needs to get in us. It w sometimes they'll sing prophetically over and over. It's, there's soil, and it's like the seed is piercing the soil. John preached an amazing sermon last week on dormant but not dead. 
the seed in the soil. But see, sometimes it's penetrate, penetrate. There's the engrafted word, receive with meekness, the engrafted word. It's got to make a cut and get in there. It can't just be the word swirling around you. It has to get on the inside of you. So there can be stuff in us. And God says over and over and over, fear not to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. And then again, be strong and of good courage. And then a few verses like, be strong and of good courage. And you're like, hey, what is this? But you know, if Joshua and his companions sat around talking about how afraid they were, I think their battle victory record would have suffered greatly. Today, we're just celebrating the years that Izzy and Jess have been with us and Izzy has emceed every party we've ever had. I don't know, we might let you emcee our party today. And um, he was on our preaching team for several years. He was on our evangelism team. He was with us in the early GJ's days. He talked about the, this big mobile evangelism trailer that we had, and we did outreaches, and we just had a great time. And Jess has, has been the head of our Connect Women's Group. Jess, I have assignments going back to 2004 that I have kept. And when people say, what, who's your favorite teacher? It's no one on TV. It's Jess Garza. And I am not kidding. And when, when I, that's one meeting I never wanted to miss because her words just flowed over me like honey. And she's very different than I am. And, you know, I'm loud and she's soft and delicate and gentle. And, and like, but her words just flowed over me like honey. And there was such depth to them that every Connect meeting I was ministered to and I saved all the assignments. And so I was looking over the assignments last night. And do you know that there's such a recurring theme, Jess? Izzy's first sermon he ever preached in 2001 was Vision for 2002, Vision 02. But in Jess's assignments, it was about personal vision. Who do you feel God wants you to be? What are the, the things that God has put in your heart? There was so much about dreams. Every third assignment, it was about dreams. And then there was about intimacy, intimacy, vision, dreams, and intimacy. And then, we, uh, you know, it, there was a, a meeting that we all shared at Barbara's house. Barbara's the, the head of our children's ministry, and it was just powerful. Jess just had us each share our dreams, and we realized there was so much in common in our hearts, and God had put us together for a purpose, and, and things were bigger than we even knew, the, our little dream inside us. And, and so vision gives purpose and direction to life. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision or a dream, people perish. Your dream can be equated to your vision, your goals, and your hopes all put together for your future. Somebody once said, your dream is a picture of your future imparted by God. Your dream is a picture of your future imparted by God. Just, I'm going to quote you from one of your assignments. Sometimes God draws our heart to something, and he gives us great compassion for something specific. Sometimes he will, he will speak through someone else, like when we are given a prophetic word. And then Jess said, God has even worked through movies to plant the seeds of dreams. He can speak in so many ways. But see, in order to overcome the obstacles to those dreams, we must see things as God sees them. And that takes intimacy, which you always pulled us back to. It takes relationship with God. It, it, and it, so that his thoughts can become our thoughts. And then in prayer, we start having conversations with him and, and we press into his heart and we hear a little something for him or, or we let him soothe us. And, and it makes a difference in our ability for that dream to come to pass. And when we talk about dreams, I know that people can come at it from a couple of perspectives. Two of them I'll focus on right now. And one is, hooray, you can do it. You got this. You can make it. You're looking good. Oh, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Nothing's impossible with God. You know, and it's, it's all that. 
And then there's the group that goes, well, but there's going to be obstacles along the way. And, you know, for every footstep you take, there's a possible ditch. Don't fall in it. You know, and don't veer to the left or the right. There's a middle path. It's narrow, but just stay on that middle path. And, you know, you get a lot of positive or a lot of negative. But, but the truth is, <laughs> the real truth is, there's a little of both. <laughs> there's a little of both. And, like, when you think about salt, salt contains sodium, a positive, chloride, a negative. Not all positive, not all negative, but to get the sting and the zing, you need both. <laughs> and so sometimes to get to the end of your dream, you, you need wisdom on both. You need that I can do all things, but you need to know there are obstacles that you're going to have to get through, and you don't let them pull you down. You don't let them deter you or derail you. And so we must dare to believe the dreams that God puts in our heart. We must speak them. We must write them down. Jess had us write stuff down all the time. Uh, we, we must hold on to them. We must sometimes refuse to agree with our circumstances, real stuff that's happening all around us. And we must be like Romans 4.17, and we go, uh, I will call things that be not as though they were. The first time I heard anybody say that at a prayer meeting, I was just barely traipsing into being born again, and I thought it was like a poetry line. Call things that be not as though they were. I didn't know it was in Romans. I didn't even know there was a Romans. But I just knew there were Italians. But, but the truth is, Many times we have to speak things that aren't existing yet and say, this is what God shows me, and it may not be here yet, but I ain't stopping until I get there. And so we can get distracted over time. The enemy can distort our perception through disappointment. Oh, disappointment is a great distorter. It can even change your mind about God. But our destiny can be aborted. Yes, it can, whether it's broadly on a large scope or in specific areas or or you can just decide that you will not be denied and you are going to decide, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, I'm going for it and nothing's stopping me. And when you feel like stopping, God just gives you a boost in the arm and he goes, come on, you can do it. Let's pick yourself up again. We got this. Let's go. And so I have a question today. What are you doing that would derail your dreams or have you dealt with the derailers? First of all, you've got to know what has God said. See, we're not talking about fictional fantasies. We're talking about God-given dreams. And, and so even if God declares a thing, though, or even if Ed Trout says a thing, or Dale Gentry has prophesied a thing to you, if God gives you three dreams in the night about his plans for you, there are yet other factors involved in the fulfillment and the fruition of what he desires for you. Number one. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ matters. It matters what you think and how you think. You know, what did Kenneth Hagin say? You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> you go, I had this thought. I go, maybe you had this thought. Push it away. Don't keep thinking on it. <laughs> it's not God's thought. Why would you dwell on it? Number two, you must pull down every stronghold that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That is vital. See, there are places that, that the enemy wants to just declare that this is my place. It's a bastion. I'm holding them here. This is their limitation. They're not getting any further than this. And I have a hold on their life, and they're not moving out of it. And you've got to decide that's not true. You're going to pull that stronghold down, and God can get back there. Number three, you've got to let God heal the areas of your heart that cause you to self-sabotage. Sometimes the greatest saboteur is you. Well, it's stuff that's happened to you, stuff you've thought, pain, pull, pressure from the past. And you've got to get that out. 
You go to, what is it, War on Soul Trouble, Lena Jones YouTube. Okay, there's a nine-part series. We taught it years ago. We've taught it several times. It's, it's, it's like getting the emotions. You know, the things of the spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit. The things of the spirit must come through the things of the soul. And if our soul is all screwed up, it's really hard for the purity of the things of God to operate in our life. And we've got to get our mind, our will, and our emotions lined up with the things of the Spirit. And our emotions, if there's damage, if there's wounds, if there's hurts, if there's old pain and pressure from the past that's always pulling us, we're not the free people Jesus wants us to be. And so sometimes we've got to get the hurts out of our heart that self-sabotage us. Somebody once said, don't wait for your ship to come in. Row out to meet it. <laughs> you know? We, we, sometimes it's okay, just go ahead and go in that direction. A little preparation goes a long way. Because we must learn to cooperate with God in such a way that our destiny can be fulfilled. It takes cooperation with God. If any of us think that once God purposes a thing, his will is always done, you are wrong. Now, I'm trying to decide how to say this, because one time I told people, his will is rarely done, and they all look so depressed. So I'm going to say, his will is often not done. If his will was done, everybody would be saved. If his will were done, everybody would be serving him. The kingdom of God would be established on this earth. If his will were done, it'd be like heaven, and it ain't heaven here right now. But in prayer, we're supposed to bring heaven down to earth. See, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... His will is not always done. And what I decide can make a difference in how much of his will is done in my life. I may not be able to control your life, but I can control the choices I make in my life. And so sometimes it's not even because we don't cooperate or because we don't obey. It's because sometimes we don't even receive the dream that God wants to put in our heart. We don't receive it. Today when Paul looked like he was a man with fire in his bones and he's going to explode. And, you know, that's okay. God, God will do that. God wants to release something. But God says, I'm giving you grace to receive. I'm giving you grace to believe. See, some of us, we've prayed for those loved ones so long or there's been a situation so long that it's, it's hard to even, like we go, yes, we, we pray and we believe for them. But really there's this deadness in our heart. It just feels like it can't happen. Oh, it's been so long. I, you know, I want to say it. It's the right thing to say. I don't want to act like I'm not praying anymore for them. But, you know, deep inside, I just have this dread and this fear. And is it really going to happen? And, and see, there's no real grace to receive anymore. And God says, when you pray, believe, you receive right then. And so that's why we could rejoice today because we believe we received it. But see, the devil comes and tries to snatch that away. He does. He really does. And so sometimes we've had trouble receiving the dream. We heard it, but on the inside, it's not really gotten in there. We've not owned it yet. We've not agreed with it yet. We've not given it permission to, to work its way and weave its way through our life. And so it can be for a lot of reasons, like, oh, he can't use me. You know, Gideon goes, oh, my, my clan is the weakest of the weak, and I'm the, you know, the least favorable of all. And God says, go in the strength I've given you. Whatever I've given you, do it. You know, use what you have right now. You know, do what you can. Don't look at what you don't have. See, and sometimes the disqualifying voices come and cause us not to receive the dream because we think it can't be us. I'm to this, I'm to that, uh, that's not what I planned. I didn't plan to work with young people. It was the joy of my life. Easy and I certainly didn't pa plan to pastor a church. We always said we will never do that, okay? And so really you need to get in line with God's plan for you. And God's dream for you might be very different than the one you pictured. But his dream will bring fulfillment and joy. There must be a receptor for a dream to be fulfilled. 
and then there must be obedience. Disobedience doesn't just delay our destiny, it can totally derail our destiny. Now, we're not talking about rock star dreams where it's all about you, you know, where you have your 15 minutes of fame. Even Joseph went through this in the Bible. Joseph at one time had that dream that his brothers were going to bow down to him. Well, he told them about it, and they hated him even more. (laughs) But by the time it really happened that they bowed down to him, He grieved over it, and his heart was pained that they were in the situation they were in. And so our dreams must have as their focus not us, but others. Not us, but the compassion and care of Jesus for others. Even if you you, you dream that God wants to promote you, it's so that you can bless your family and bless the church. You see, it can't be only about you. I want to be famous. Well, famous maybe so you can have a platform so you can give your testimony and speak about Jesus. Somewhere Jesus needs to be in there. Or it ain't God's dream, okay? And so we, we, but even in the midst of the God-given dreams, there are things that come our way to try to suck the life out of them. And so real quickly, because we're not going to focus on the negative today because it's a celebratory day, we'll talk about a few things that are dream busters. Now, one time Cammy and I thought we were going to do a website called dreambusters.com because we'd have all these young people that came in, you know, in the years that Izzy was talking about in the late 90s and everybody was 18, 19, 20, 21, and they'd come in with these big, grandiose delusions, delusions of of what they were going to do. I'm going to own a catering business. I go, have you ever cooked anything? No, no, I, I like to eat. And I go, have you ever taken any business courses so you know how to charge for this? No, no, I, you know, I'll just pray and God will give me a number. I, I go, <laughs> you know, have you ever done this? Have you ever, have you ever like, come under an apprentice with anybody who does cooking or catering? I, don't, I, don't, I want to be my own boss. I don't want to work for anybody. Okay, by the time they were through, we're going to dreambusters.com. You know, like, and they're going to think God failed them, but really they... They're not hearing from him, they're hearing from them. And so there's those kind of dreams, but that's not what we're talking about. But you can have a real dream from God, and dream busters can come in another form, and it can even be your family. Do you know that about Jesus? They thought he could do no mighty miracles because of their unbelief, and his family thought, who is this? Who who is he to say this and do this? And so he had no honor in his own country. And so even sometimes your Christian family may not see you the way God sees you. When we were getting ready to start this church, my mother goes, can't Easy just keep doing real estate development and y'all minister on the side? Like, she loved God with all her heart. She had been a worship leader in a Christian women's organization, but it, it seemed uncertain and, and not financially secure to her. Friends of ours go, if y'all just keep ministering to those young people, y'all are gonna go broke. Like, a lot of discouragement can come your way. Wisdom is in a multitude of counselors, but watch out who the counselors are, all right? Friends. You don't have time for us anymore now that you're ministering to all those young people. That's what some of our friends said. We go, we're obeying God. We love you. But, you know, we've ministered to people our age group for years. God just said, drop that and do this, and we're just saying, yes, sir. And people will complain about things. People go, Easy's building a trailer. Don't you think that money could be spent otherwise? And I go, did you put any money in? No. Then don't worry about anybody else's money. And, uh, and so, you know, like people will come and try to suck the life out of your dream. Fatigue. Charles Finney said, in 10 years, I have had only seven days off. Very soon after that, he collapsed and his ministry stopped. See, sometimes you can run yourself into the ground. And rest is a godly principle. I didn't really always know this, and I would stay up around the clock when we do stadium events. And when Alan came on staff, he goes, what, what day of the week off do we have? I go, none. I go, we're in ministry. <laughs> 
And he goes, don't you think we need a day off? Uh, you know, you and Easy, I mean, Easy was in his mid-60s, late 60s by then, and I was somewhere up in my late 40s going toward 50, and he's like, don't they need a day off? And, and maybe he just wanted a day off, but because he wanted a day off, we got a day off, and it's proven to be a wonderful thing because times of refreshing need to come. And there are time, your body needs a certain amount of rest. You can't just go all the time. You're not, what is the, the, the Ever Ready Bunny? You know, you can just keep on going all the time or whoever it is, the Timex watch. Anybody even ever heard of that? Are y'all too young? Um, and so fatigue, you know, the Lord gives his beloved sleep. I used to pick like two days off a, a week not to sleep so I could work all night for stadium events. We could have hired somebody. One time I got a word, you're being too cheap. <laughs> you ever got that word? No, maybe you said, maybe they, it was totally opposite, but it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're penny pinching too much. You're making it too hard on yourself. God's going to supply. One time I told my sister in the early days of our ministry, we're living by faith. She goes, no, you're living by fear. See, you got you to gotta know what's true here and what's not. We have a lot of little platitudes we shout out, but they're not always God's words. Failure is a, it sucks the life out of dreams. Man, all the great men of God, Easy preached the sermon once, the importance of one, and several other things like that about men who tried and tried and tried and failed, and failed but didn't quit. Didn't quit. See, the name of his book, Never Give Up. They didn't quit, and so then they invented this wonderful thing that we live by and that's changed our world. They didn't quit, and so this, this sermon came that, that changed how we believe and, and set us free. They didn't quit. See, they didn't let failure stop them. See, when failure comes, we get this thing, we are a failure. No, that idea failed, that endeavor failed, that didn't work. But we are not a failure because we were created in God's image, and he doesn't create junk. And so the only people that I've ever known that never, ever fail, they never, never try. And so rather than set the mark too low and make it, I'd rather set the mark too high and just barely miss it. <laughs> failure is never final. Try again, get up, keep going, start over. And the last thing that can suck the life out of our dreams is fear. 365 times in some Bible translations, the words fear not, yet people fight fear daily, daily. It's, it's, a, it's a major strategy of the enemy in all of our lives. God said to Gideon in Judges 6, when Gideon's crying out, you know, his dream to see his people free from oppression, like I said before, Gideon, go in the strength that you have. And Gideon keeps saying his fear stuff. No, my clan is weak. I'm the least in my family. You know, but God says, forget that. I will be with you. When we put God in the mix, it changes the equation. It changes the formula. It changes the result. And so quit looking at what you don't have and instead do what you can with what you have right now. In closing, I'm going to do some quick quotes about dreams. Quick quotes. Number one, your dream is anything you want to become, do, or have during your lifetime. It's understood that these are from God. Number two, your dream must be believed, pursued, and protected to be achieved. Number three, your family and friends may focus on your weaknesses instead of the seed of a dream that's growing on the inside of you. Number four, every relationship you cultivate will either move you forward toward your dream or move you away from it. Number five, your dream might require uncommon faith. Number six, your dream may require seasons 
of preparation. And number seven, your dream can come true, regardless of your perceived limitations. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, dream, or imagine, according to, according to what? The power that is at work within us. He is working. He is working. Even when I'm sleeping, he's working. Lord, you're working. That song we sing, he is always working. Just always focused on vision and dreams and intimacy. And yet about a year after we moved into this building, she came to us and began to speak to the women to resurrect the word that had been on the tips of our tongue for so long, revival. And we had said revival for so long. See, sometimes if you say, you know, like I'm sure Noah in the ark, you know, he's building it and the people start making fun of you. Like, how long are you going to say that, Noah? You know, how long are you going to say that, Easy? Easy said young people were coming when we had no young people. They came. Some dreams take longer than others. Some things happen overnight. We were prophesied we were going to do a stadium event, and overnight uh, the, the, the stadium people said, no, 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 for a year. And it was prophesied on a Sunday night. Monday morning they called and go, you can have this stadium now. We're the only people that ever had Mercer Stadium for a Christian event, used the whole thing, had 5,000 kids two years in a row. But then other things took years. Other things were waiting for them to come to pass. So Jess comes and says, God wants us to resurrect our word about revival. It's time to pray again. It's time to believe again. We started believing. We started pressing in. God was doing marvelous things. And, and then we get, we get hit, you know, and we, we have a cancer battle because uh, the, the enemy tries to snuff Easy out. And Easy goes, I'm coming. No, no, I don't. All y'all quit worrying. I, I'm going to be okay. And he was. And he got a miracle. And, and a cancerous tumor left his body. And the doctors come out and they go, they looked funny. And I got scared. And they go, we can't find it. And it was not an easy time. We went through things, but we got through it. See, the hindrances and the obstacles come, but you keep going toward what God has said. And just says, keep praying for revival. And then easy gets okay. And then we have COVID. And then we're shut down and all that crazy stuff. And then people are discouraged and, and dismayed. And so the, the enemy will keep trying to pluck. But God said this morning, redig the wells. And one of those wells is revival. And so God used just to remind us to pick up a promise and not to let a dream drop. So I'm going to finish with the last two pages of Easy's book. It's not even published yet. We're working on that. But here's the last two pages, and you get a little insight. And remember, this is your book, honey. Okay. <laughs> I firmly believe we are on the brink of a mighty outpouring a great healing revival in Fort Bend County and the surrounding areas. I believe revival is on the horizon for many regions in our country and in the world. Let me tell you what, medicine ain't working like it used to. Our faith cannot, there, I just read there's a, a fungus thing that's going through uh, Dallas and some other cities that no antibiotic is working on it. Uh, is that right, Carla? We've we, we got, we got a nurse in the house. You know, there, there's, 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 we, we're not, we don't have the answers anymore. I firmly believe that revival is on the horizons for many regions in our country and in the world. I have lived a long time. I have done a lot of things. I've developed real estate. I've built hundreds of apartments. I've owned sports teams. I've traveled on missions trips. I've conducted healing meetings. I've planted a church. I've held stadium events. I have been miraculously healed of deadly cancer. But I am not finished yet. I have many spiritual sons and daughters, 
and I desire that they do much more than I ever have. But I want to leave nothing undone of God's assignments on my life. I will be involved in another healing revival that is yet to come. You are never too young and you are never too old to do what God says you will do. And I am proof of that. It doesn't matter where you come from as long as you let God be in charge of where you're going. And I am determined I am going with God full throttle until I breathe my last breath. So now the question is, what about you? I'm asking you the very same thing God asked me that day in India when I took off my glasses. Easy went to India many times, several times, maybe five, six times. He's one of the few men ever that has gone into the leper colonies and prayed with people. He's traveled all over India. He's been to other places. He's seen many healings. When we first met, I just traveled with him, and we saw healings and signs and wonders and miracles. But one day he was praying for a man in India, and the man wanted prayer for his eyesight, and he wanted to take his glasses off. And Easy told the man, take your glasses off. And then God said to Easy, what about you? Because he had some glasses that he used to read. And Easy goes, oh, what about me? And he took the glasses off, and he came back, and I was worried that he couldn't really see. And he went to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor started calling Miracle Man because he didn't need the glasses anymore. So, what about you? I'm asking you the very same thing God asked me that day in India when I took off my glasses. What about you? And to that question, I'll add this one. How determined are you? No matter your age, determined to have faith like a little child all the days of your life. How disciplined are you? The root word for discipline is disciple. I want to honor Jesus in all that I do. And have you decided? Have you decided you won't quit? Have you decided you won't give up? Have you decided you won't let the devil take you out prematurely? I am sure not finished yet. I have years to go. I know the best is yet to come. I am now 88 years old. I am sure not finished. And so I am here to tell you, neither are you. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you let a thing come out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. I thank you that today, even in worship, you said, redig the wells. It's time again. Believe again. Don't step back. I'm giving you grace to receive. I'm giving you grace to believe. And so, Father, we receive that grace today. And we say that we are determined. We have decided. We will do what you say. Lord, we thank you that our dreams will come to pass. And we will not let the devil derail us, discourage us, let disappointment come. We won't get off track. We'll just stay focused on you. You are the author. You are the finisher of our faith. And we claim it by faith. And we say, according to your word, it shall be unto us every one of us, all of us, and every one of us. And so, Father, I thank you for the corporate promises and the individual promises. I thank you that your word is yes and amen. I thank you for great faith to arise in your people. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.